Will, walk us through those. Yeah, sorry. Let me let me find this. Jules, cut this out while I find the right paragraph to read from. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very long article. I hate writing these. Yeah, and Brad Manuel no. took this. Earnings are one of those things that you just it it takes time to go through them, and it's never ever worth it. No, it's it's not. Um, Jesus Christ, where is it? Hello and welcome to the Android Police Podcast. My name is probably Daniel Bader. I, I'm not actually sure because I've been sick all week, as you can hear, and my brain is uh, working at half speed. So um, today's show is going to be a little different. I'm going to introduce us. I'm going to navigate the waters, but I'm going to let Ara and Will take most of this. It's Friday, October 28th, by the way. Uh, welcome to hell. That's the title of uh, a great essay that that uh, is on the verge right now. Neelay Patel wrote it. It's all about Elon Musk and Twitter. I'm sure you've heard by now, Twitter has gone private. They fired the CEO, the CFO, and the uh, head of legal, and probably many other people to come. Our favorite social network is changing. The world is changing very quickly. Uh, but here in our little nook, we got you. So, Ara, Will, how's it going? Um... Yeah. Tell people I, something comforting. Oh, comforting. <laughs> Let's see. I have traded my high of my cold medicine for the, the sobriety of antibiotics. <laughs> so that's good. Oh, oh. No. I'm, I'm feeling better after a couple of days. Uh, uh, but yeah, for the last like week and a half, I've had a sinus infection. So including last week's podcast. So no tangents into 4K Blu-rays this week from me. That, that'll be Daniel. Honestly, though, I think you should be sick every week because that was the best show we've recorded yet. <laughs> yeah, it's just I just have to be high every time we record. <laughs> it is legal in New York now, so you can do you can do whatever you want, to be honest. It's true. I mean, there's nothing wrong with us having a beverage on the pod. Like we can use that to help get us most of the way without, you know, actually being sick. I don't know if I should be drinking it at 1230 in the afternoon. <laughs> It's five o'clock somewhere. I mean, quote unquote, me drinking is me having a frozen Coke while listening That's to y'all true. right now. So That's true. I mean, I'm definitely not as high as I should be on cough syrup. So uh, we're at a deficit there. But look, I mean, this, this has been a very wild week in many ways. A lot of earnings. We're going to talk about some changes at Google, about some changes at Apple. We're going to talk about the Apple products that I promised we talked about it on the show last week. And never got around to some movement in the markets that suggests just an overall softening, probably a recession, Facebook, Meta, whatever you want to call it, got like wiped off the market. Home Depot this week. now worth more than Meta. Home Depot. I love, I love that little fact. It's that, such like, a good chart. <laughs> the best box store on earth is now worth more than the place that ruined democracy. I mean, that makes sense to me. It's something that, that, that jibes. Something is working. Market is taking care of itself. <laughs> I was going to say, if, if there's any company that deserves to be financially ruined at the beginning of a recession, it's the company that helped cause the recession by enabling just the complete and utter destruction of regular government work. The other part I find really interesting is that this happened the week that Facebook or Meta released the MetaQuest Pro, which is a $1,500 VR headset for the enterprise which is just a, a sentence that makes no sense. None of me. it makes sense. The metaverse is dumb. I'm glad everyone has caught up to this is dumb. No one likes it. The metaverse that can and should exist is like Fortnite. Like that's that's what it's going to be. Like it's not whatever this is. It's not going to be our next meeting at Android Police is not going to be all of us slapping on VR headsets and, and sitting around a virtual boardroom. You know, like it doesn't make any sense. Not yet. Not <laughs> give it ten years. If you ship me a Quest Pro or whatever, like sure, I'll I'll do it. But can we do the next episode in Horizon World? I've got a Quest too. Ara, we can get you. Yeah, I, have, uh, I have a Quest. I can I can do that. I have not set can, up I, you can do Horizons obviously. I but. utterly lack any of the Quest stuff. The only thing that has ever even made me consider getting a quest was when Supernatural got a Disney pack recently. I played those. They're they're good. They're very fun. I mean, I'm sure you have like a Google Cardboard lying around somewhere. Uh, Google Cardboard has been dead for three years, man. Where have you been? Oh, it's, you, you can do anything on that. It's open source, baby. <laughs> Just use your imagination. I also threw away whatever like 
actual cardboard cardboard I got sent whenever I moved from Texas to Florida. So I was I was looking through a bag of like old stuff that I put in my garage a couple weeks ago and I found the Google Daydream headset that I had for some reason kept <laughs> maybe in the hopes that one day it would be a useful retro product to look back on. Hilarious that Google once thought it could compete in the VR space or that there was anything to compete with. But yeah, you know, Google had a VR play at one point. Microsoft had an AR VR play at some point i had one of those samsung headsets for the the s7 yeah the yeah. is it gear vr was that what was i think called? so yeah that was awesome that was wait just wasn't perfect. it the gear live nah, i don't remember gear vr okay. gear vr yeah yeah you put your galaxy phone in there and and, and you could uh explore iceland or i actually i hear greenland is, a, is really nice this time of year no <laughs> no I mean, it's got no. green in the name right like i think <laughs> i think that would be a Perfect alternative. It was on rails, but like there were some really cool tours that you could do on these things. I definitely I just watched like VR Netflix at 480p and was like, wow, it's 2016 and this is this is incredible. Yeah. With the high resolution of your 2015 Samsung phone screen. Exactly, exactly. It was the, the you know, the second you hold it two inches from your face, it's it's not quite as high resolution. <laughs> That's good. I actually, I searched Gear VR and there's like a Gear VR subreddit that still has some posting. God bless. There was a post three hours ago. So still going strong. There are 14 people right now <laughs> in Reddit slash R slash Gear VR. They're so, all listening to this show. All of you. Thank you for, for your support. Now send us some money <laughs> on Patreon. We need it so badly. Uh, I said the um, show wasn't going to be filled with tangents, and it's it's just been 10 minutes of tangents. <laughs> can I tell you that every single positive comment I've gotten about the show has been about the tangents? All right, so, this is an oops all tangents. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, we love just listening to you be stupid for an hour. So honestly, we're just giving you what you asked for. <laughs> I mean, I'd hope it'd be more of like we're getting into like intelligent chances and not just us being stupid and fawning over something for 20 minutes but i'm it's I'm the game companies that are stupid we're just pointing out their idiocy yeah speaking of which well we've got plenty of that to point out in the next half hour see this is this is why i'm not supposed to lead the show today because you're the ones actually bringing us back to focus not me this week so where do you want to start let's start with google mm -hmm. and their q3 earnings not a great quarter for google they missed analyst expectations but they did say some positive things about pixel hardware so Will, walk us through those. Yeah, so Google basically said that it had its fastest selling week ever for Pixel, although it didn't really focus on the Pixel 7 because obviously that just launched 15 days ago. It also talked about the Pixel 6a, which launched you know in July, highlighting it as a product that contributed to growth in the hardware division, specifically saying that was where its primary hardware revenue had, had come from. So it seems like the Pixel is doing pretty well on the strength of both like the 6a and like early early numbers for the seven but like obviously we won't really see like the grander picture for how the seven and the seven pro are doing until like after the holidays i think what's interesting here ad revenue did not grow for the first time in its history year over year right so this is a not great year for overall ad sales i mean they earned 69 billion dollars it's pretty nice but it's just one of those things where over the last few months, we've talked about why Google is investing in hardware and how they plan to actually diversify their revenue stream. So when a recession hits, they're a little bit more resilient. They're not making and they will never make as much money from hardware as Apple or Samsung. But to get the numbers up to the point where it has a meaningful impact on the business every quarter, I think that is really what they're trying to do here. And search will always be the primary revenue source that'll never go away. But having a phone, a watch, a tablet, and then services to bind them together, that's always the dream for any hardware software company. And as ad revenues flail a little bit, this is a Google that's looking more towards subscriptions. We're talking about like, why did they launch the Pixel Watch with a basically mandatory $10 a month Fitbit premium subscription? Maybe because they had to. Why did they increase the price of YouTube premium for families? Maybe because they had to, right? These are all things that we saw coming, but 
once they announce their quarterly results, it's like, yeah, this is not the first quarter that we're going to see Google having issues with ad revenue. I also think that for YouTube Premium, in previous years, YouTube Premium's goal was to try and like show that they can get a good subscriber base. But I think part of the reason that the price hike was so high was that YouTube is a service that many of us watch for like hours a day, even if it's just like music in the background or old videos that are playing in the background while we try and do work or DIY videos we follow along with as we're trying to do crafts. Like people watch tons of YouTube and with auto inserted ads and pre-roll and post-roll ads, I think that Google realized that they make more money off of the free subscribers who watch with ads than they do off of the premium users. Well, of course they do. I mean, that's just a, a question of scale. And jacking up the price both makes them make more money from the people who will stay with YouTube Premium, like me, and then it forces more people off onto the ad-supported, which will make them more money. I mean, I do think there's there's something, Daniel brought this up last week, of, of like it could also be like a music licensing thing, and I, I had not considered that up to that point. Um, I, I was more thinking along your thought process, Ara, which I think is at least partially correct. But we also saw Apple boost its Apple Music plan by a dollar up to $11 a month this week, specifically highlighting music licensing fees increasing. So I do wonder if there's yep. there's some truth to that as well. And, well, and, and if it's of a, course there's truth to it. Yeah. I'm never wrong. Learn that by now. <laughs> That's true. Uh, <laughs> but no, like, God, it's this thing I've been wondering, which is like, I think we have past peak subscription. And I think people are going to to really like over the next year, like really start shedding the amount of things they're paying for monthly because like you know maybe the average person has like eight subscriptions that they're paying for between video and music and apps and whatever and i think just like everything is going up obviously like when you go to the store it's more expensive but also like all of these monthly payments that you're just signed up and you don't think about it are going up in price and at a certain point like i think you're going to see people be like well okay hold on like i need to like reconsider all of this if like I'm paying more for YouTube and Apple Music and Hulu and Disney Plus and Netflix, like everything. Like I either need to move to a lower tier if it's there, which is what like Netflix is hoping for with that ad plan. Or it's like, am I watching Hulu? I don't know. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I maybe it's not worth nine bucks a month anymore or whatever. You know, one thing that was interesting this week, and this is not Android related, but Microsoft announced that it's shelving its long in development streaming stick that yeah. was supposed to bring Xbox Game Pass to the TV at a very low cost. Instead, they're partnering with companies like Samsung and LG to bring Game Pass natively, which kind of makes sense. They cited that like, this is a product that will probably exist, but not for a few more years. There's not enough demand for it at the television level just yet. Totally makes sense. I think that was the right move. But the other thing that uh, Microsoft said was they're not going to be able to keep Game Pass at its current price for much longer. I mean, that's not a surprise at all. That that that's, has felt like yeah. something that was going to shoot up any second now. And I mean, like, I wouldn't be surprised if that's 20 bucks a month in like a year. Like, I think that's going to go up and buy a lot, too. I agree. Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, we talk about the value we get from these subscriptions. Last night, I... <laughs> I don't know if you ever do this, but like you tweet something and you really like it and then you notice an error in it or a typo and, and you Oh my god, did you sign up for did you sign up for Twitter Blue? I didn't, but okay. I was like in I liked the tweet, I deleted the tweet, and then I was like, you know what? And then you second guess yourself. And I didn't rewrite the tweet. Okay. And I'm like, if I had just subscribed six dollars a month to Twitter Blue, I wouldn't have had this problem. <laughs> And then I'm like, wait, I'm not giving Elon Musk any of my money. No, why would anyone pay ever pay for Twitter Blue? <laughs> Absolutely not. Because he wants 50% of Twitter's revenue to be from subscriptions in like five years. No, like that's absolutely wild I, to me. I'm like, I'm genuinely. If you want me to pay for Twitter, you better seriously man up on the moderation, not down. And if you're planning on cutting 75% of the workforce, that ain't happening. Yeah, th this is this is going to be a very, very stupid, stupid next few months. Yeah, it is. And, and that's really saying something. <laughs> Going back to Google, I think I think what's what's interesting here is, you know, this is a company that has shelved a lot of products. They've consolidated a lot. They've made some internal changes. They've said to their employees, you have to work 20% more or get 20% more from your existing work, right? This is a company that for a very long time could kind of coast on the heels of its existing business model, right? Same with Facebook. 
they could take for granted that ad revenue, you know, number go up, ad revenue always goes up. And that's just a reality of these two yeah. you know, dominant players. And if Alphabet and Meta are having trouble growing from their two flagship products with their easiest and most lucrative business models, then something's got to change. And I think what's interesting with Google is that they're not putting their entire business in the hands of a moonshot that's going to maybe come to pass in a decade, right? Facebook Meta is investing one of every $10 it makes back into the metaverse. And that is an enormous amount of money to lose. And they're anticipating that they're going to continue to lose billions of dollars every year from investing in the metaverse for at least a decade. Google at least has a bit more of a sure footing here. And the changes, the improvements it's making, the diversification it's making appear to have some sense to them, right? I, I know people are upset about Stadia or whatever, but nobody I th- is upset like, about Stadia. The Stadians are upset. <laughs> we we know at least like two Stadians, right? Right. I'm sorry, Zach. You're 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 exactly. Right. <laughs> My biggest issue with Google over the last God close to a decade at this point has been like a lack of focus. You have some like good ideas here. And if you just like focused on them and like gave them more intention instead of getting distracted by like, we had another idea and we just threw it up at the wall, it would actually be really good. And you could like foster this stuff up and make it capable of competing with, for example, Apple's ecosystem of products. And like, I think they're kind of finally getting there where they're like, okay, no, 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 no. We're going to focus on RCS. And like, even if Apple won't help us, like, we'll just keep adding features to it. Every few months, we're going to be like, here's a bunch of new features. We have like them finally calling like the Pixel lineup, like a family of products, right? Like, oh, we have the phones and uh, the wearables and we're going to have a tablet and you guys are going to love it, right? This is what I've been wanting from them, even if it's coming at the death of things that a small group of people love, like Stadia. Like, I'm glad that they're finally kind of focusing in on what's working. The biggest thing that I've seen for Google and Meta in this quarter, and I think this is possibly something wrong with just, you know, stock market and future speculation in general, but everybody took for granted that the ad revenue is going to go up and go up and go up forever. The problem being... We have a limited number of people and a limited number of time people have in a day and on this planet. There's going to come a point where people just literally cannot see more ads. That's not how shareholders are going to think. That's also not true because in the metaverse, you see time is impermeable. Yeah, my house in the metaverse is filled with ads. (laughs) Every You walk into uh, the bathroom and it's... Everything is is uh, sponsored by McDonald's, like in the hit 2001, two film, Josie and the Pussycats. Of course. Yes. Listen, until we have Nerve Gear units <laughs> that film can send Earth. you into the internet and time slows down to where like a minute is like a whole year in there, there's a limited amount of time for these. So no, ad revenue cannot go up forever. Ad time cannot go up forever. This yeah. this was inevitable. Wait, in and Star Trek, when you're going warp nine, does that mean that time goes <laughs> slower than at warp two? We need a Star yeah. Trek expert in here. Daniel, you were wrong. You are absolutely high enough for this show. <laughs> you are absolutely high enough for this show, but also that's not how warp mechanics work. <laughs> I mean, sure, fine. Explain it to me then. Prove me wrong. Where's Derek Kessler when you need him? Hey, you're allowed to invite Derek on whenever you can get him. I would love to have Derek on the podcast. We will just have a whole Star Trek episode for him. Uh, for I'm those of you who guy. probably don't know, Derek do Kessler... This. Used to be a colleague of ours at at Android Central. Um, he now is a coworker of ours at Valnet. Uh, not as much in a public facing role, but dude, I, I love him. I wish him so much happiness because he brings me so much happiness with what he does. And yeah, I'd I'd love to get him on here. I miss him. I we'll miss talking that. to him. We'll do that. I think when Star Trek Discovery season five comes out, we'll we'll bring him on here. Talk some tech. We'll talk oh, some. Oh god, Trek. that's gonna make me watch season four. Oh, you should. Season four was way better than season three. Okay. I, for Star Trek, I really have to be in the mood. Like, I still haven't finished watching Picard because they're hit a point where I'm like, oh, don't. No, there's, there's too much there's too much stupid in here. No, don't, don't watch Picard. Don't do that to yourself. I'm going to watch Picard because I'm a masochist, but nobody else should watch Picard season three. Daniel hates himself. I do. And therefore, he's going to be tuning into season three. Speaking... Like I... Never mind. I'll, I'll... Yeah, I'll... okay. But trying to get a little bit back <laughs> on track here. 
because like I understand how shareholders expectations work, but there is not such a thing as infinite growth when you are dealing with something that requires users to have like be looking at something for a set amount of time or any amount of time. There's only so many things we can click on in a day without just resorting to bots. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. But I mean, the that idea that like there's a finite amount of ads, like just. Oh, no, 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 there's not there's a finite, never a finite, not a amount, finite of amount of quote unquote ads. There's a finite amount of times that people can click on or view ads and generate clicks without resorting to bot traffic. Mm. So it's not a matter of the ads being infinite. It's a matter of you can make as many ads as you want. You can make a bajillion ads. There's only so many that a person can see in a day. Regardless, <laughs> Is of that how a much. challenge? I, I feel like don't... Google and, and Meta will like see that as a challenge and be like, nope. We uh, Listen, can come up there are six ads that I am looking at on the page right now as I am looking at one of our articles. There are only so many ads in a day. You hear like, that, the ad team? The number is high. <laughs> I was you say, hear that, Jesus Val? Christ. We don't want up. more. I am commerce Just editor and I'm fighting to here. get affili- affiliate revenue up so I can tell the ad team to suck it. No. Mm. Oh my God. I mean that is like that is the the end game, right? It's like you, you, yeah. you try to get your other like from a publisher perspective, you try to rely less on ads so you can put fewer ads on the page. Yeah, like I love being able to write a guy that's good enough that just the quality of the things that we picked and the quality of how we evaluated them is enough to earn the revenue for that article and we don't need to put ads in there. That is the dream. Amen. Amen. We're we're trying. We're we're, we're getting there. <laughs> we're trying. But getting back to what yeah. I was originally trying to say there, because there is only so much a person can see in a day without just being literally plugged into the matrix all day. These numbers had to cap at some point, and the fact that since these two companies who are so big and uh, are such a huge part of our economy, that they're going to go down is going to bring other companies down and help push us into this recession that has already been brewing for years but i really think that this is part of the reason why shareholder expectations should not be beholden too much for companies outside of the realm of what is actually possible like the expectations for tech companies right now are lit but from shareholders are literally impossible and that's why they're all on the decline and yeah we're entering a very weak market yeah, and, and eventually a recession. we've seen this before from others we've seen this from previous recessions I mean, Axios is literally calling it a, a dot-com bus 2.0 right now if you go to their homepage. Like, yeah. like that's, that's where we're at. Yeah. I don't even want to see my stock portfolio right now. <laughs> I've, just, I've been like willfully ignoring it. Leave that app closed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but see, things are lower right now, so this is a good time for me to go in and just invest in mutual funds and then just wait out the next 20 years. Good call. I, yeah. I will call my, yeah, exactly. my financial advisor after we get off this. I'm going to call my financial $6, advisor. $6,000 cap for your Roths, people. Get it in. Mm. Consult your own financial advisor and making investment decisions um anyway let's talk about a little bit more hardware so one of the things that google released in q3 but it wasn't really part of this most recent earnings call the pixel watch manuel wrote a really compelling editorial about why the pixel watch won't succeed until there's a pixel watch a series and i find that really interesting because you need a good quality non-A series to trickle the technology down to the A series, right? That's what Google did with the 3A and the 4A and 5A and so forth. We're not there yet. I really like the Pixel Watch. I've been using it every day for the last two weeks or so, three weeks since I got it for review. It is nowhere close to being that tier one flagship Wear OS device that everything else revolves around. It's not even close to the level that Samsung has achieved on the Galaxy Watch series. It's way cheaper. It's overall a better product in a lot of ways. And while I like many of the decisions that Google made with the Pixel Watch, it's janky, it's slow, the battery sucks, the, like all the things we've already talked about. To make a good quality $200 Pixel Watch A series would require way too many sacrifices that I don't think Google can handle at the moment. So as much as I agree with Manuel, I don't think this is going to happen until 2025, right? I think it can happen sooner than that. It just probably won't because that's the speed it takes Google to do anything. But this watch is so obviously something that has just been stewing for years and should have been released like a year and a half ago. Forget having the full Fitbit integration here. 
This is a watch that should have been launched whenever it was ready, hardware-wise, so that way we could have gotten the feedback on it, and Google could have learned from its mistakes rather than having to learn from the now when the Galaxy Watch 5 now has the Wear OS market sewn up for the foreseeable future. Because I cannot understand anybody paying $350 for this watch with a proprietary band system with $50 spare bands unless they're willing to wait for something to come here off of a container ship from China and not get here till December. Well, and also the woven ones rattle. This is not even just a thing that myself and Steven have seen, but ex-AP editor Ryan Hager was tweeting about uh, over the weekend, I think, of like, he also got a woven band for his Pixel Watch and was like, why is this so loose? Why does this suck? Yeah, I have the same issue yeah. on my leather band. Yeah, It's like everything it's, but the silicon band that it comes with is like loose and wiggly for some reason. Mm -hmm. And like Google told me that's how it's supposed to be, which is insane you made the system you it's not it you made the system you made it like this it's it's insane again there's a reason why whenever they said this has proprietary bands something in my heart about loving the potential and hope for the pixel watch just straight up died like it just went yeah. cold in my chest because proprietary band systems they have all sucked outside of I was Apple's. Say, Apple's is even good. fitbit cannot always get it right. fitbit gets it right sometimes but not all the time and Fitbit obviously did not make this band system for Google. And yeah. for anybody who's like, oh, well, they needed to have it be a proprietary system in order for it to be a perfect circle. No, they didn't because the Moto 360 didn't need that in order to be a perfect circle watch. There are ways to do it. Google just chose to do it this way in order to be like premium and different and special. And this is the perfect reason of why Google shouldn't pull this shit. They didn't do it properly. They didn't think about what this was going to impact consumers who are already... If you're already spending $350 on the watch, the last thing people want to do is spend $50 to $80 to $120 to $200 on a band that won't fit properly. To your point about this should have been released two years ago or whatever, like this is my broader issue with Google's focus, which is like, what is going on with Fitbit smartwatches versus this Pixel watch? The Sense 3 is $300 uh, or, or Sense 2? Sense 2 is $300. Sense, Sense two. two. I there's a there's a typo in this post. I will fix it. Uh, <laughs> the Sense Two is three hundred dollars. What are we doing here? Like, I should probably be telling people to buy a, a Galaxy Watch four or five, and not a Pixel Watch or a Fitbit Sense Two. But like, what is this platform? You have Google Fit that you could have built into the Pixel Watch instead of the Fitbit stuff, which is like not only a subscription based system, but also is like busted and is not tracking calories correctly, which is insane. I feel like every time we say something good about the Pixel Watch, it's like in spite of itself. It's like we like it in spite of everything about it. Oh, no, it exactly. totally is. It's really hard to explain yeah. to people. Like Ryan, for instance, when he wrote that Twitter thread about how he feels like it's a shadow of what it should have been and that it's a disappointment. To me, it's a psychological thing. And it's hard to say, right, because Ryan bought it and I didn't. And I wonder if I had purchased this with my money and had the same experience, whether I would actually have come to a different conclusion, because it would have been my personal stake on the line. But as it stands, and again, like I'm probably going to get blasted for this because of my, you know, the, the privilege of the reviewer. But I do say, like, I try not to let the fact that I got something in for review impact how I feel about it. If I dislike a product, I dislike it. And I try to take the fact that if I buy something for myself, like I try to buy as many things as I can, and I try to evaluate them the same way as I do if I get them in for review. You have to if you're a reviewer, because you, other people's money is on the line. That's the thing is like, no matter how much I like the design of the Pixel Watch and like kind of enjoy using it to a certain extent, would I tell anyone to buy it? Like, no. I really think that it's in Europe that they gave it away with the, the 7, and the, or at least the 7 Pro, right? It was like a pre-order bonus or something with the 7 Pro. Like, that's what this should have been. It should have been like $350 or also like buy our $900 phone and we'll give it to you for free because that's kind of the quality of this is like if you can get it for like really cheap or like for free with like a bun in a bundle, you're going to like it a lot more than if you drop $350 on it where you're probably going to be very frustrated and disappointed. Correct. Also, for the Pixel Watch, it's also a matter of it is a curved, bezel-less, well, not bezel-less. No. <laughs> like, it's edge-to-edge -edge glass. Sure. The people that I know who have bought this watch were so scared of, like, hitting it on something and cracking it that most of them went out and bought silicone cases for the watch. Yeah. Like, bumpers to protect people? it. 
Who are you? If you spend three hundred fifty dollars, no, no, because no, no, then you, then you should just buy a watch five. Because like the whole the exactly. only good thing about this watch is well, not the only good thing, but like the best thing it's about this watch is the, the design. And if you're gonna cover the design with like an ugly silicone, like then just go get a Samsung watch, which is gonna be better anyway and cheaper and cheaper and like more resilient in almost every way. Yeah. Yeah. Do not buy this watch if you plan on covering its only <laughs> benefit with a silicone. We bumper. won't case Please shame except for in this situation, we will. I do want to delve back into something y'all were talking about a little bit earlier, though, which was Fitbit versus Google Fit. I really do wish that Google had kept improving and expanding Google Fit instead of just being like, oh, we're going to go all in on Fitbit because Fitbit is a paid service and a lot of us don't want to use a paid service for this. Like part of the reason that I'm sticking with my Galaxy Watch is Samsung Health is a free app and I can export my data pretty easily if I need to. Uh, and I, before that, I was Google Fit for freaking five years. Google Fit was simple, but it worked well for what it was. If you had added sleep tracking, I wouldn't have a need to do anything more than that. And neither would most people. I mean, this comes back to my like subscription rant right it's like people are going to start thinking about this stuff we're at peak subscription no one is going to want to keep this stuff around like especially god fitbit premium is not worth ten dollars a month to like anyone so like for real if you're buying this watch do not keep that subscription but it's way too much and like i understand that like that's where these companies are trying to make up what they're not going to make from ad revenue but like it's going to be too much for people. It probably already is. Like I've canceled two subscriptions this month. I'm still reviewing like what I want to keep and what I don't. And like, it, it's too much. I don't want to think about like how much worse the, I'm not going to pay for Fitbit premium. I know that. So once the free trial expires next year, I'm just going to, that's the thing. I don't even use my watch right now for fit, as a fitness band because I'll be honest, I wear my Apple Watch when I go for workouts. Like it's a better fitness tracker. It's more reliable. I trust the metrics. I have friends inside Apple Health. The one time I've used this to track my workout, I mean, again, this it's one data point, so I, I can't say for sure, but I noticed that it was completely off. Heart rate, calories burned, everything. It was just off. And Stephen Schenk pointed out in an in an article that the Pixel Watch has a calorie problem. It inflates the calories burned. And Google metric. acknowledged this. Like this is not Google acknowledged yeah. this. It's not just like a thing that like we're noticing. Like they came out and said like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna hatch it in an update. Oh no! Oh my god! Sorry. Hey, that's on you for not turning off a smart speaker before you started. Is that the me or Dan? Like. I don't even know what that came from. That was not me. Well, it was, I was going to say, it, you're wearing headphones while you're recording, so it should not be was any it, of us. Was it my phone? It, I, I don't have a smart have been speaker plugged in. I have no idea what that even came from. That's interesting. I don't even know. It just came from your brain. Oh, That's maybe. What done. Oh my God. Maybe the, only, the closest smart speaker is in the, is in the kitchen. It could have been, but like, I'm not, I'm nowhere near the kitchen. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Jules, cut, cut all this Is it your up. Pixel watch? No, the Pixel watch is upstairs. I have that whoop band on. I'm, How is that? How's it been? Um, well, we we can talk about it in a couple of weeks when I when I publish my review. I I have some thought. I mean, like, I mean, it's going to come down to my subscription thoughts again. Thirty dollars a month. Jesus yeah. Christ. Um. Anyway, moving away from Google, I want to talk a little bit about Apple. This has been a really weird few weeks for Apple. iOS sixteen point one was released with support for the Live Activities API on 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 iPhones on the iPhone fourteen. That means more interesting use cases for the dynamic island. I have an iPhone 14 Pro updated to 16.1. Haven't really seen a lot of apps updated to support live activities, but it's coming. Same. I'm sure they'll be there. Yeah, my my Reddit client is the only thing that I've seen so far that is updated, but there's not it's not really an interesting use case for it. You know, I'm glad that they support it. But. A little 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 cat walking around your your dynamic island. I listen. Apollo's idea to put a Tamagotchi esque thing at the top uh, on the notch uh, is is brilliant, and like, and they they also extended it, I believe, in this update to to any iPhone that it'll just walk along the line for the gesture controls at the bottom of the screen if you don't have a fourteen. I just it's fun. It's just a fun little feature. I am surprised Apple approved that because it has no yeah, utility yeah. and it could get kind of in the way of using the app that you're in, but. I guess they needed a W. Like 
this is the and we'll talk about this in a bit about like the difference between Google Play Store and App Store guidelines on for app developers. But yeah, Apple's been having an interesting couple of weeks. They announced these new iPads. Now that I'm actually glad we didn't talk about them last week because we now have the reviews to reference. The iPad Pro M2, it is exactly the same as last year's, except it's got an M2 yeah. and Wi-Fi 16. And it's got that uh, pencil with the pencil little like float. Yes, right, hover, which is actually the thing I've seen more people excited about than the hardware itself. So what this is, is kind of like the air, I always forget the name, air gesture on the S Pen where you could float your stylus above the screen and there's pixel precise tracking. On the iPad, that means that you can like change settings, sizes of pen tips and, and tilts and things like that. In practice, it looks really, really well done. So kudos to Apple for that. I wasn't surprised because that's what Apple does really well. The Apple Pencil, for all of its many, many flaws, and we'll get to that in a second, the Apple Pencil itself is actually an incredibly accurate and well-made stylus. But these new iPads, they are just contradictory in many ways. The new 449 iPad, colorful, has a landscape camera has a new keyboard folio with a kickstand and a row of function keys, has a Touch ID home button, but doesn't support Stage Manager, doesn't really have any reason to exist. It kept the $329 iPad in the lineup. When you spec this out with the keyboard and the first-gen pencil, it's like $800. Yeah, if you go up to like 256 gig, it's it's 800 bucks, which is not, it's not cheap. Not cheap. And in that case, like... I mean, that's you can get an M1 MacBook for that. Yeah. So it's just pretty confusing right now. The iPad lineup is just a disaster. But overall, like it just feels like Apple is anticipating the same fall off that Facebook, Meta, and Google Alphabet are and are trying to do everything they possibly can to make up the perceived shortfalls before they come. So we talked about the Apple Music subscription going up by a dollar. There are ads now, more ads in the app store than ever before. And people, especially developers, hate this because Apple has been putting like super scummy, low quality apps above app store searches. A lot of sports gambling. So many casino ads. Yeah, I really wish those were just banned across the board. Oh, try living in New York where it was only unbanned like a year ago. So like the ads that like, especially this time of year, like during NFL season, like it's just like every other ad is for, you know, whatever sports betting website you want to go to. Yeah, see, I'm just remembering like driving through Louisiana and Mississippi and like casinos were required to put up gambling addiction program billboards. Yeah. It boggles my mind that we still allow such blatant advertising of things that are just designed to wreck people financially. Yeah, I agree. Uh, apparently Apple doesn't, so... Yeah, and that's <laughs> that. That's surprising for Apple. It is and it isn't, right? There's been this... I, I mean, this is... Yeah. Slow encroachment of their advertising business. You know, they, they, they snuffed out Facebook's ability to track users, and it, as a result, really forced Facebook to take a massive revenue hit from all iPhone users. And now Apple is doing the exact, doing the same, exact same thing. thing. I'm not sure if you've heard, but like Spotify had to remove the ability to purchase audiobooks from the Spotify app on iOS because Apple was forcing them to give them 30% of every audiobook purchased, even though what they were doing was you could browse the audiobooks and then you press send me a link and it would send a link over email to then go into the Spotify store on a web browser and buy the audiobook that way. Apple initially allowed that and then said, nope, sorry, and forced them to remove it. The Spotify app literally sat unupdated for a month because they like kept getting their updates blocked by Apple until they removed this this week, which I'm so split because I hate this stuff from Spotify too, and I also think it's bad. But like Apple is, is is honestly the bigger bad guy here, just because it's like, well, that's still ridiculous. Like they were already jumping through hoops, and you wouldn't even let them do that. It's now you on, on iOS if you try to buy an audiobook, it literally just gives you a pop up. That's like you can't do that here. And like that's it. It's such a poor user experience. It, it's truly shocking because I think Apple has this from a decade of running the App Store has this 
veneer of like, oh, like the app store and apps, it's a, it's a better experience than what you'll see on Android, obviously. And, and I just don't, you know, that might have been true at one point. It certainly is not anymore. Like, you know, I, I feel like I used to get more apps on Android than I would on like, say, an iPad. The mobile software situation on, on iOS in general is just like dire these days compared to what it was five years ago. Mm hmm. Not only that, but this week at a at a conference, Apple's marketing chief Jeg was I was going to say Jeg Grozniak, amazing. <laughs> uh, Greg Joswiak uh, said that Apple will comply with the European Union law to force the iPhone to switch to a USB C charger, but that does not necessarily mean that every iPhone across the entire world will be powered by USB C. I can't understand making iPhones with two different connector ports like that. Oh, just, they they will. I'm I'm, I'm sure, sure they, they will, yeah. but it's still stupid. I was on that boat until a month and a half ago, two months ago, when they were like, "Yep, the North American iPhones are all eSIM, and everywhere else, there's still a SIM trait." Like, and I was like, "Oh, okay, so they actually maybe are willing to do this." But that's the opposite thing. Apple is moving yeah. towards eSIM. And they are clearly showing that they are going to wait until the countries are ready. Whereas in this case, they are being forced to move to a charging standard that they don't want. Yeah, I, I just mean more that like I could see them being like where we have to sell it. It, it will have USB-C and, and in the US. Guess what? There, there are no complaints there from your government or like the complaints that are there are toothless and will not be followed up by any kind of antitrust uh, action. So here's your lightning port. Enjoy it. I want to know hell. what they've got to say yeah. on the record in order to get an actual antitrust investigation. Because when you've said as much shit as Apple has said in the last two years, I don't know how it doesn't happen. The, the answer is that there's just like no actual active antitrust or very little. Oh, I'm antitrust like energy in the u.s because otherwise like i think the what they've said about iMessage at this point should have spurred on something oh, yes but, absolutely yeah which there was news on this week right didn't they say that that in that same talk they said that like it's just not yeah they like, said they weren't in a position to offer it or something they, said they weren't in a position yeah. to offer it as an android app in order to be a um god what was the phrasing like a compelling app that would draw in users and sure. i'm like you are half of, of the american messaging market do yeah. not bullshit me and tell me you cannot make this an app that would be uh, that would be highly used. All of those things I just said about subscriptions does not apply to iMessage. I think they could charge $10 a month on Yeah, on, and they uh, could shove ads no everywhere problem. in that app and people would still yeah. use it. I mean, they said that it would have held Apple back in innovating. I just right? don't know how that's true. It's like not, I don't I don't understand cuz if that's true. true, they offer Apple Music is Apple Music not innovating? Then is that the takeaway, right? Because it's on Android. Well, the takeaway like, is, is that Apple it's TV? so integrated into the iPhone and to the iOS operating system that forcing this cross-platform compatibility might, I don't know, sacrifice some of that. They may not have feature parity between iMessage on iOS and iMessage on Android because they're developed by different teams or they may have to, if they don't want to risk not having feature parity, they may have to delay rolling out features. But I don't buy that, and here's why. iMessage gets updated once a year. It gets updated every time there's an iOS update in September. It happens like clockwork. Whereas an app on the Play Store could get updated anytime they freaking want it. And they could use Android as like a testing ground for features and be like, okay, <laughs> a dumping are going to be ground, the guinea pigs. We're going to A-B ground. test everything on you. I just don't think they want to employ Kotlin developers is what it comes down to. <laughs> like we have like these like Android nerds in a basement closet somewhere, like typing away for the Apple Music app. Like we don't want any, we just don't want to give them a bigger closet. Like that's the only closet we have. Yeah. I mean, also it's just, it is lock-in. That's how they get people in the door and that's how they keep people from leaving like it's just true and like that's a very i have to say this that's a very north american thing and specifically u.s thing but that's true here that's why ios numbers are going up that's why it's you know in certain metrics like past 50 percent of the smartphone market is apple like in the u.s like that's it's iMessage but lock-in is a consequence of lack of regulatory oversight yes 
Absolutely. Like there is a direct correlation between the two. And the fact that like you can look at a whole continent of different countries in, in Europe and say they do not have the same problem. Not even the countries that have oversight by the EU, just all of Europe, they don't rely nearly as much on iOS. I mean, part of it is just the fact that carriers don't subsidize the purchase of phones nearly as much as they do in the US, but it's all of it. It's that entire process of like development through marketing, through distribution. It really favors Apple over Samsung or Google in the US because of that distribution model. And it's not the same in Bulgaria or whatever. Let's move on. So one aspect of Apple's hardware ecosystem that has somewhat trickled down indirectly, I guess, to Android is MagSafe. And that's because MagSafe is kind of this weird hybrid thing. It's both a proprietary design that is obviously patented and, and owned by Apple, but within it, there is this generic idea of combining magnets to align a charger with the standard Qi wireless charging. And you get this weird sort of, not even gray market, but just like underground ecosystem of accessory makers building MagSafe stuff, MagSafe compatible stuff for Android. Uh, and Will, you wrote this, you wrote about this today. So, so walk us through it. Yeah, I, I've been stuck on, so the most recent iPhone I had before the 14 Pro Max was, was an 11. So I had not used MagSafe on, a, on an iPhone before, you know, a month and a half ago. Upon getting a MagSafe charger, I was like completely taken aback by how good it is. I feel like people don't really talk about it since the 12 when it debuted. Like it's just there. Like no one really talks about it. But like it's such a good idea. Like I'm truly taken by how good of an idea it is because not only does it make wireless charging better in terms of whether you're using a stand or a, or a mat or like a puck. It makes it so that you can use the phone, especially if you're using like a puck charger, like you can use the phone while it wirelessly charges, which might sound like, well, it's like, oh, well, why don't you just plug it in? Uh, but it leaves the lightning port open for accessories, including head wired headphones. Like it solves the issue of there's no headphone jack on this phone, right? It also allows you to slap a wallet accessory on the back of it without having to buy a wallet case that can be bulky and you might not want all the time. Maybe you want it when you go out to bars on a Friday night, but you don't want it the rest of the week because you have an actual wallet or something. There's all sorts of other accessories for Apple's new continuity camera feature. There's like a, a Belkin like mount you can buy for your MacBook. And I just think that like, I think it's so surprising that now now we're we're two years into this feature existing on, on iPhone and aside from third party case makers, uh, no one has like like Samsung and Google. I mean, there, there are a couple Android brands like uh, Oppo, like mostly Chinese brands, like to be honest, that have that have run with this. But like in terms of like stuff you can get in like North America or Europe to a certain extent, it's like it's just like cases and not like Google or Samsung building this stuff. Uh, building its own take on MagSafe into its phones. And it certainly probably has something to do with patents, but it's like, it's such a good idea that I cannot believe that like no one has run with it. I mean, I can understand why official brands have not run with it because it would mean either licensing it from Apple or being it being yeah, unofficial it necessarily, and risking a lawsuit. I, I, I don't necessarily mean like... The Pixel 8 is advertised as like, and we support MagSafe now, but like, I'm surprised that we haven't seen any like, like Samsung hasn't come out and been like, we have a whole lineup of magnet accessories for the Galaxy S22. Like, I'm surprised that they haven't leaned into that. Um, and maybe the patent, I don't know, is just so strict that there's like no way they could do anything with magnets and charging and accessories without licensing the patent. But it's just surprising to me that we've seen no action on this front, I guess. I don't know. I think it's really good. I obviously, I would imagine that a lot of the people listening to the show have not got to experience it and might see MagSafe and be like, who cares? But like, I've gone from not using wireless charging very often to like, if I'm using that iPhone, it's like usually the, the main way that I charge. It's great. I, I have a MagSafe charger next to my bed and I use it for my Android phones because most Android phones have some magnet you know, in For the sure. back, and uh, it, it just the, helps the align 6, I think. a little bit. Yeah, it depends on the phone, right? So, like, I held it up to my Seven Pro, and and 
it charges, but it, it didn't stick at all. But I, I believe the Pixel 6, wherever the magnet, there's like just enough magnets in there or whatever. Like the alignment is correct that it'll, it'll hold. Now, it, it won't hold, hold a well. strong. Yeah, I, I, I one of my photos of uh, for this uh, this article is is me holding the, the iPhone 14 by the puck. Right. So I had it just dangling in front of my camera for like two minutes uh, while I took this shot and like it didn't slip or fall. It was over carpet, so it probably would have been fine. But like, you know, I wouldn't do that with like whatever Android phone that you that it was just strong enough to to align with. Well, I have been I've actually been meaning to write about this. Um, just haven't gotten around to it. But I've been using the Peak Design everyday case for the Pixel Seven Pro for the last couple of weeks, and Peak Design has a whole bunch of mobile accessories that work with all of their everyday phones cases. So. They have like a, a wallet that also works as a kickstand. They have a tripod. They have just like a wall adapter so you can stick a magnet anywhere you want or multiple and then put your phone anywhere. So like if you wash dishes and want somewhere to put your phone while you're washing dishes and, and watch a show on Netflix or something, you, you could do that really easily. And it uses 3M tape so it won't damage whatever it's stuck to. There's like a bike mount and a whole bunch of other stuff for outdoor leisure. But what I ended up doing was just replacing my my regular wallet with this kind of, it's, it's like a flip up card wallet. So it only sports cards. You can't really put any cash in there. But I've been really liking it. First, it's a super low profile wallet. It supports seven cards. And every time I want to use it as a kickstand, I just, it's 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 like a Voltron. I just like, combine them together and they become this like whole more useful entity. So I, I open the kickstand, I place it on a table, I can place it in portrait or landscape and it's there all the time because it's my wallet and my phone. And it's not one of those things where like you have to have them together to make them useful, but they come together to be way more useful. So I really like that personally. I just think that like, I don't know, it, it's such a cool idea of essentially like adapting accessories to make your phone like something modular not in terms of like you're swapping out the cpu in your phone or something but in like how you live your life of like i'm going to do this with my phone so i need these three accessories and they combine together or whatever the case is right and like same thing with like the wallet and the stand for you it's just it's cool that like and MagSafe can do this stuff too. And it's just, I think it's just a really neat idea that I would love to see baked into more phones rather than relying on cases for it. But like, I'm glad that like there is some level of support from, from third party makers who are like, yeah, throw the MagSafe magnets in the back of it. Who cares? Like, like do it anyway. Or, or the more like standardized peak stuff where it's like, you're buying into an ecosystem of add-ons. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I can see people who just like rely on Peak every time they buy a new phone. Most of them iPhone users, they just get the Peak every time because it's a decent case. It's the same thing with Moment. They make a decent case. It's not perfect, but it's good enough. And there are those mobile accessories as well that that are a part of it. I don't think it's a necessary addition, but it's certainly, it gives you enough added usability that I think it's it's just like a nice to have. It's worth the money. Okay. Is that it? Is that what we're talking about? <laughs> I think that was about it. I mean, we could talk about some other Star Wars things. No, I'm joking. Absolutely. No, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Absolutely. Actually, I, I think Damon Lindelof is uh is writing a Star Wars uh movie exciting freaks like me who uh think Lost is good. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're talking about Damon Lindelof's actual legacy here, which is the leftovers. Which I should Amazing. watch. I just I started have, that. It's incredible. My fault. And the Watchmen, obviously, or just, sorry, Watchmen, not The Watchmen. Watchmen, also incredible. Which I also haven't watched. And oh, just my a goodness. Lost Defender. So I, you're I in a, in a, pro, either, sorry, in a Prometheus Defender. You only time. know Lindelof I'm, by his worst, worst contribution to television. Prometheus is good and I'll die on this hill. Prometheus rolls. It's the second best sucks. alien movie. Oh, my God. It's so and he good. Didn't even, he, he wrote it. He didn't even direct it. Yeah, he wrote it. He's he a, a writer. writer. You're right. It's true. But... Ridley Scott ruined that movie. That's my, because it was his vision. It was just Lindelof. I've, I just believe that Scott like red pilled Lindelof and just like <laughs> got him to go crazy over working with Ridley Scott and then ended up influencing the movie that ended up becoming Prometheus. Otherwise, I can't believe Lindelof had 
oh, any I mean, real for sure, influence that is Ridley Scott's over that. Yeah, like, <laughs> I still think Prometheus is good, and I, I, I avoided it for like 10 years and didn't watch it until like last year for the first time, and I was like, everyone was wrong about this. It's good. Uh, but I also haven't watched it again in a year, so... Um, I'll need to I'll need to review it again before I can make a spirited defense. Ridley Scott is 84 years old. Just just want to put and that out here. And he's still he's got a he's got that the he's got Napoleon. He's got that Napoleon movie coming out. That dude cannot and he's and he's making a Gladiator. I don't think he's prequel, directing it though. I think Oh, he is. Holy cow. Is he not? I thought he I was going to say I think that's his next thing. That dude will never that dude will die in the middle of a production on his 97th. Good. To Good be for fair, him. I'm pretty sure that's how he'd want to go. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I've heard The Last Duel is good. I should probably watch it. I, I haven't gotten I'm, to it. I'm one of those people. So Kingdom of Heaven, one of the like mm-hmm. most underrated films you of all watch time. The director's cut. Because the, the finished product was terrible and the studio meddled. And then the four-hour director's cut was like a completely different movie and well worth your time. So yeah, that's my take on it. If you take nothing away from this week's show, go watch... <laughs> um, Go watch the, Andor and then go watch go Andor. Watch. Go watch the and leftovers. Don't watch Prometheus. <laughs> go watch uh, the last duel, maybe, and then and then fin- finish yeah, sure. your weekend with uh, <laughs> King of, of Heaven, Heaven, the director's cut. That should actually take Happy you Halloween. through to Sunday night, actually. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, we're gonna leave it there. Um, thank you for listening to our ramblings again this week. I'm sorry again for my voice. Um, I'm working on it. Um, Will, Ara, enjoy your weekends. Yeah, absolutely. Thank, thank you to Jules, who presumably has made this into a listenable episode. <laughs> yeah. As always, as always, our savior, uh, Jules Wang. Um, you can find Jules at Point Jules, wherever he is in the world this week. You can find Ara at Ara Wagco, presumably at the parks. You can find Will at Will underscore Saddleberg. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. just working on his podcasts. Got so many podcasts. <laughs> Um, got it. Got to go listen. Plug plug the one that you worked on again. Yeah, my my show is called uh, is called Don't Explain. It's a it's a uh, three episode uh, season one about about um, uh, the musical biopic. And then I also worked on a, a history show hosted by uh, a guy named Brian Brushwood called uh, World's Greatest Con, uh, which I'm working on season three of right now. Uh, but I can't I can't talk about other than saying that. But season two is about game show cons. Uh, that was released in the spring, I think. Uh, both both worth listening to. My voice is only on one of them, but but I wrote and edited two of the episodes of the of World's Greatest Con. So. Amazing! I can't wait for the Will Saddleberg Podcast Empire. It's coming, <laughs> folks. Go listen to those shows. Um, you can find me at Journey Dan. Uh, you can find all of us at Android Police, and uh, I hope you have a great week. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Where I don't even remember what we were talking about. It was yelling at me about Andor, which is good. I need to go watch um, Andor. I've I was trying to like things. get in there talking about Andor with the Star Trek stuff. I love it. It's the best Star Wars Absolutely. show I've seen by a it's mile. It's the only one I like. I don't even really it's like Mandalorian. So fun and so well written and like yeah. compelling and and unexpected. Like, and that, smart. That's the, the other thing, and, smart yeah. and like su- unexpected. Yeah. Like it goes places that you don't expect. It ends in places you don't expect. Like not every episode ends with a cliffhanger. It's just it's it's well well done. Yeah, Dan and Tony Wait, Gilroy. Some man, episodes have an actual like self contained ending. Yes, what is the, that nonsense? The, the yes, first two don't. I will say the first three are like well, an no, extended the, pilot. The, the first three episodes are meant to be watched. Yeah. Together, they but were released God, that, together. That third, ep- the from the third episode on, and I'm a little behind. I finished episode six last night, but from the third episode on, it's like. It's just cooking with gas. It's like two it episodes are set man. up. I don't even like Rogue One that much. Like I was really not. I I was like dragging my feet, and then people like have slowly. There's been like a slow murmur of like Andor's good, and I was finally like, all right, I'll I'll try it. And like, yeah, the politics of it are really interesting. Like everything is just so well thought out. This is what I wanted from like Star Wars TV shows and not fan service e stuff that I do not like about The Mandalorian. Like I really don't like the Luke Skywalker stuff in that show. And this is like giving me like everything that I wanted out of this series. Like, yeah, it's so good. I saw a tweet that I liked. I was like, 
Andor is so good that if I even smell a whiff of Skywalker <laughs> anywhere near it, I will turn it off and never watch it again. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Oh, it's just like, it's so good to like watch a show with like characters, especially after like I tried Obi-Wan. I got, f- oh. I watched four of the six Obi-Wan episodes and I was just like, I can't, I, this is so boring and like not good. <laughs> like, I was like, how the hell did they screw up that I, show? I don't know. Like, they got Ewan McGregor for six hours. Oh my God. And he's just, they're just filming it on that like virtual set that they've become obsessed with versus like Andor, which is on like actual sets. I mean, I'm pretty sure Andor still used the volume. It does use volume, but it has actual sets versus like Obi-Wan where it was like in, in Mandalorian where it's like very volume heavy. And I'm not trying to diss volume. Like you can do a lot of interesting stuff with it. And like the Batman is like the perfect example because they used it a lot in that movie. But in comparison, like the first three episodes of Andor when they're in like the opening planet and like it's just filled with extras and like they're walking around town and there's like a hundred extras on set and it just it feels so much more like it's so good it's so good i'm so happy that it's good i like the politics stuff too that's something yeah. that i was worried about right like the politics rare yeah. thing to say you like the politics in a tv show these days well in a star wars like the, the i think still like the best parts of the prequels were the the politicking agreed, but they were agreed. poorly acted. Yeah. So you're like, it's interesting. There's some intrigue here and, and you understand the underlying tensions, you yeah. know, between the planets and between the, the coalitions. But in here, you're kind of, you're seeing how the empire started to encroach and like f- how fascism is actually not just a boot kind of stomping on you in one fell swoop. It's like, slowly inching towards despondency until the point where like yeah. it's just part of the fabric of your life they really show that in a compelling way without making the show dour or yeah. boring there's like the private security stuff with the with the first planet right. in the first three episodes yeah. and like how the empire like responds to that it's just uh it's yeah if you if you're not watching Endor, you need to go watch it because it's actually like really good in a way that like there's no caveats here. Like, it's not like, oh, it's really good for Star Wars. Like, no, it's just like one of the best shows on TV right now. Like, it's it's so good. Yeah, I mean, if it didn't have any relationship to Star Wars, it would still be a show that I would recommend, like The Expanse or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I've just been very excited about Android. Me too. I'm glad we talked about it. All right, well, let's let's yeah. let's talk about a couple other things. Um, 